All right, and welcome back to Social Biology. I'm your co-host, Jeremy. I'm your co-host, Morgan. Uh, Morgan, as an update, I figured out my burger problem. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I completely forgot that you had a burger problem. Well, remember, okay. well, it was kind of tied to, like, I didn't like some of the food I cooked. Um, yeah. And so, basically, I had forgotten. Well, I wouldn't say forgotten. I had misread the amount of a certain ingredients that I had to put in, and I fixed okay. it and it actually came out really good so i'm, I'm oh, happy that's wonderful but in the course before i did that i did look up and there is like a phenomena where people sometimes like their own cooking less huh. uh, and psychologists have been looking into it like not seriously you know they're just kind of like oh let's just see if there's a correlation and there's been some there have st- been massive studies <laughs> yes the world yeah. needs to know this one yes. thing Right. Uh, so there's been a few theories. One theory is that depending on what kind of taster you are, it could be that you're you're getting desensitized to taste and smell as you're cooking. Um, depending on how your brain, like, it kind of gets that data and processes it. Okay. When you say taster, do you mean like preferences, like savory versus sweet, or what uh, do you mean by depending on your taster? Oh well, I think yeah. Depending, I said, I, I, if I did, I say taste. I meant, I, like, I meant depending how you perceive or process taste. Or the, oh, yeah. okay. Depending yeah. on yeah, I you said your taster. Did I, was I like, say huh. yeah. I gotta. Re- <laughs> yeah, depending you on your, your taster. No, no, that's not a little section. Maybe I totally misheard you. Yeah, yeah maybe I misspoke. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's depending. So some people, and you can just see this like in how people eat, and even like chefs, they'll. It's not just the personal preference is like, oh yeah, I like fruit or I like pie or whatever. You know, It's more like certain people are wired to taste things in a different way. Uh, there's people who are called super tasters and basically they can taste very minute differences in things. And some people, they'll taste something like, ah, it just tastes like chicken to me. Like they have just a very broad palate of how they taste things. Uh-huh, okay. Um, and so if you're like more sensitive to taste, if you're a super taster or whatever you want to call them, Maybe by cooking, you're oversaturating those senses. And then when you go to eating, you're like, huh, like your brain has been like, well, I've already, quote unquote, tasted this for the past hour. And now when you eat it, it's just blah, you know, kind of like if you eat the same thing right. over and over again. Your brain eventually thinks it's kind of gross. Yeah. It's um, just monotonous. And and, yeah. and and then there's people who have the opposite. If they cook something, they actually find it more delicious because... Uh, they know the ingredients they put in there and therefore they're able to like form these connections. And so they find it really delicious when they cook their own food. So that's interesting. That That's weird. Cause I, w- I was going to say, how, how would you measure that? How would you measure whether someone's a better taster or not? And then, and then it was funny. You were like, somebody might be more broad and say, Oh, it tastes like chicken. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can, you can totally tell if someone has like a developed palate and it makes me think of like hell's kitchen, the challenges that they used to have where they had like 20 things in front of them. And like you, one guy would taste one and be like, Oh, that's carrots. And they're like, no, you dumb shit. It's red potato. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, not to like, Disparage. I think most people don't have like a quote unquote refined sense of taste. And I think a part of it is like physical anatomy. Like sometimes the part of your brain that is, you know, instructed to process this, they're just not, it's not as good as other people's. It's or not as developed or used, I guess, it, it, exercised yeah. maybe. Ex- well, then there's yeah. both. There's one that you can be born as someone who's like, well, no matter what you do, you're just going to 
not be too big in the taste, which is fine. That's not a problem. Or you can be someone who maybe you are, you just need to have it developed. And so if you're raised in an environment where you don't eat a wide variety of foods, you don't really taste the difference of things because you've never really had those differences. Like it all just tastes right. like grain or rice or bread to me or whatever. That makes um, sense. But I mean, and then for, I don't know, I think for me, and this is not like a, a brag. I think for some reason I have some of these taste, super taster qualities. Well, are, good for you. Oh, look at me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Once again, Jeremy superior. I'm better in every way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I think it's because, and it's not because like I can cook really well. I can, I taste something and I'm like, oh, this has hints of coriander, doesn't it? It's not like that. Right. It's just like, <laughs> oh, I don't like this. And I don't know why I don't like it. I just, oh I can gosh. taste something that most That's people so can't funny. taste. Uh, like for example, I don't like, I kind of get that soapiness that cilantro gives when things are a little bitter. I find them excruciatingly bitter. Uh, you know. Like, oh, really? Yeah, which is weird because I love dark chocolate, and for some reason that bitterness tastes really good to me. Huh. But for some That's reason, funny. yeah, I'll, like for example, there's a bitterant or not? Well, it's like a potential bitterant in a lot of melons and like watery vegetables that most people can't taste. And okay, but I very clearly can. And so I really? find those foods very, like, disgusting to me. It's okay, I, I could see it in, like, pineapple, but you're talking, like, watermelon, cantaloupe, oh, yeah. stuff like that. Melon. I, I can't be in the same room that someone is cutting a watermelon in. What? It fills the room with this horrible smell and taste. Dude, that's <laughs> like me. me with onions or jalapenos. I love onions. You watermelon? Yeah, it's watermelons, cantaloupe, honeydew, any melon. Um, but the worst one is cucumber. Cucumber is the food. Whoa, whoa what? It, it, yeah, which is weird because people, they tell me like, I eat cucumber and it's like, it tastes like nothing or it's like, it's barely there. And I'm like, no, no. It, it definitely has a taste, but I, I just can't imagine it like permeating a room as you cut it. Oh yeah. No, if, if something like, again, with a watermelon, I can be like, that's oh, kind of gross. But if there's a cucumber in the room, I have to like vacate. I, it will activate my gag reflex. If there's been like cucumber touching a salad, and even if you remove the cucumber, like even the residue, I can clearly like taste it. What it ruins the entire experience? That's crazy. Yeah, I That's... thought it was like because no one in my family has this. Like they all love melons and shit like that. And then uh-huh. I met one other person. One of my coworkers has the exact same thing, and I was like, wow, like I. That's just me. So <laughs> I'm not the only I'm one. I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. So we can be friends. Uh, yeah, oh exactly. Uh, which is weird because I always thought I was like, oh, it's just a me thing. And then when I looked into it, watermelon and cucumber, they're actually related. Uh, they're like in the same broad botanical family, which huh. most people wouldn't, you know, think I wouldn't about. have guessed that. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't and, have guessed that. Well, hmm, I don't know. I wonder if you could branch, you know, food and categorize things. Like if you think of oh, a yeah, watermelon, you, you think of a squash and then you think of a cucumber. It feels like stages almost. Yeah. But, I mean, and some of that is know. domestication and some of that is just how it, like, for example, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and I'm pretty sure cabbage, they're all the same plant. Uh, they're oh, really? just different, different parts of this plant have been bred to like, get bigger rather than smaller so for broccoli like it's Weird. the florets and i think for the cauliflower it's like the fruit or whatever you want to call that part for i believe the, uh, you mean the mini trees yeah the mini trees yeah and for the brussels uh-huh. sprouts is of course the leaves but they're all like the same plant it's just they've been yeah. domesticated to make bigger parts of them 
different parts of them bigger. Yeah. Um, so, I have a huge yeah. aversion to cauliflower. I oh, can't say I love cauliflower. Which sucks because that's like kind of a keto supplement it is a keto for a lot thing. of things. Yeah. And I, I just can't stand it. Like I, I, I cannot stand cauliflower. It's not my favorite. Like it's good. I prefer broccoli. I love broccoli. I love broccoli. I cannot oh, stand Brussels sprouts. Like they are the devil. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about asparagus. That that was like literally spawn of Satan. I'm okay with asparagus, especially if you no, like get some butter and garlic in there. No, I can't. No, that's fine. No, no that's really fine. Um, but yeah, so so maybe that's a part of it. Where like some people, I'm sensitive to taste, and so when I cook food, my brain's like, eh, you've tasted this all already through your nose. So, but maybe it's not because I made these burgers the way they should have been, and they tasted really good. So. Yeah, you, when you decide not to boil them. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was boiling the hamburger. <laughs> oh, boiling meat is just like. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine something worse than just like unseasoned boiled chicken. Just like. Ugh. Ew. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I had a roommate that would do that. He'd oh, boiled chicken gosh. and it'd just be like, why? What's wrong? Why with would you? you do that? I, I don't know. Yeah, there's something to it, and which is weird because like when you have a stew, like a stew is can be really good. And for some reason, my brain doesn't connect like, oh, stew chicken versus boiled chicken. I don't know if I've ever had stew chicken. I always think like beef. Well, like, beef even like stew, chicken noodle soup, that would say that's like, that can be a kind yeah, of Even stew. then, I don't know. I, I, I can't stand soup. And, you know, living in New York, every other family you meet is Dominican. It's soup for days, baby. Oh, really? I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, my gosh. Dominican that was their big culture. thing. What was it called? Sancocho. That's oh. what it was called, sancocho. Which san means without, um, and what's cocho? Uh, uh, without cocho, I, I have no idea. What <laughs> it has this thing means. has no cocho. I'm sure it's just a name, but they they put like anything in it. They uh, beef, pork, chicken, uh, corn. Oh, it's like a pool uh, boy. Okay, yeah. It's it's all sorts of things, but then they do some wacky shit like oxtail. I I fucking hate oxtail. You know, I. So I don't, I didn't grow up eating oxtail, but for some reason I find them delectable. They're so oh my good. gosh, no. It's like a pocket of fat that just squirts acid that's, when you bite that's it. That's not acid. It's, so it's, 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 <laughs> it's what it feels like. It's, uh, it's bad. Yeah, I'm the, I, I'm the person that I love, I love to eat like the rendered fat on the edge of a good meat. It's just so good to me. Oh, it's so succulent. If, if I asked you, it, like the first thing that pops into mind, what's the worst thing you've ever eaten? Okay, the worst thing I ever eaten. It was also in New York. It was um, uh, I. They were called. Oh gosh, uh, what's the what's the word for cake? Uh, pastel. Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah. Yeah. It was it was uh, something called like pastel pastelitos or pasteles. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like okay, maybe I heard they're supposed to be really good, but the way this they, guy I'm sure made there's it, a bunch of different kinds. But. Yeah. So what this guy did, and to people who know what these ingredients are, you'll be like. I think you'll be you'll recoil. So imagine they okay. get like they'll get a plantain or a platano, depending how you call it. And he would he mashed it up and then he put a bunch of meat in there and then he wrapped oh, it in tin foil yeah. and then he boiled uh-huh. it. So uh-huh. it was like <laughs> Yeah. It was like bo- and like, and he didn't wrap it really well, so some of the water got in there, so it was like gooey, soggy, oh meaty gosh. banana paste. The worst, the yeah. absolute worst thing I've ever had. It's so funny, and you're sitting there like expecting a piece of cake. They come out with this monstrosity. I'm like, good lord! Like, oh yeah, what have I done? My yeah. the the person I was eating with, who was also a guest, and he did this snow so sneakily. I didn't realize it till afterwards. He put it in his pocket. 
Like, Wait, what? Yeah, he got he had a napkin, and I was sitting right next to him, and I didn't notice it. And I was like, "That's like a sneak master." He put it like he like folded up a little napkin in his pocket, and then he like literally put the majority of the thing in there, and just pretended he ate it. I was, I was amazed. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I don't think I've ever stuck anything in my pocket, but. The I think the worst thing I ever had, it was at a party in New York. It was in the Bronx. And I don't remember what it was for. It was somebody's birthday or something. And we get there and, you know, um, it was a Dominican family. And so, something that I greatly appreciate about, maybe it's just where we are, but maybe. American culture. Yes. Where you get to load up your plate with whatever you want. I, I love that. I love it's the fact fantastic. that I can pick what's on my that. plate. Like yes, yes, yes. When, when my Venezuelan relatives or in-laws basically <laughs> came to America, they were like, this is the best thing ever. Why don't we do this all the time? Like, why do we make plates for other people? Why don't we let people make their own plates? I'm like, yeah, see? So anyways, Dominican family, they're making a plate. They put this like green casserole thing on my plate. Interesting. Like, what the hell is that? And if you don't eat it, you're going to offend somebody. Yeah, they get offended. It's bad. Bad. And so I, I've eaten everything. And I'm I'm the eater that will eat in sections. I have to finish one thing oh, before no. I move to the next. Yeah, it's really bad. It's so really I get bad. down to this thing. Oh. And I look over and like other people in the party are like mixing it with their rice and like shoveling it in to like get it to go down easier. That's I've true. got this like blob of green casserole. On my plate, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I, I took one bite. Do you know, like, have you ever had a pet fish? Yeah, I. I have you ever like smelled the food? fish's food? Yeah, I smelled it. Is that it, is what this tasted like. Oh. And I have no idea what it was. I don't know how it was made. It must have been some dried spinach casserole thing. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I am never gonna get out of here. And, like, the person collecting the plates and, like, washing plates and stuff is the person that brought the food oh, and, no. like, fed us the food. And so, I'm like, what am I going to do? And it was it was bumping. Little tiny New York apartment. There's, like, 30, 30 people in there, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. I, like, I lift my plate way above my head. I sneak off to the bathroom and I flush it down the toilet. Wait a minute. You took the plate to the bathroom? Yes, I did. And, and no I one snuck noticed it back that? out. Nobody noticed and I swear, if I would have put it in the trash, someone would have noticed. I put that sucker down the toilet, and I flushed, and it looked like shit going down. <laughs> like, it, it was just awful. But, yeah, that was probably my smoothest move it's, of getting rid of food I hated. Oh, that was dad. probably the worst thing I've ever eaten. Maybe second to oxtail. That's, Close second. It's funny how you don't so, like oxtail. Oh, it's um, awful. Yeah, I think, well, the worst thing, well... That was like the most disgusting thing. Well, okay, hold on. I'm getting mixed up. That was the worst thing I ever tasted. The most disgusting thing I've ever eaten. It didn't have a strong flavor, but it was in Chinatown and someone gave me a drink and they knew what they were doing because they were like, hey, drink this. And I said, what's in it? They're like, well, just drink it. You know, and uh, I, when someone says that. I don't like that at all. But, you know, this is like a cool, like this is someone that I was friends with. I'm like, okay, fine. So I took a little sip of it. It was like, it didn't taste too bad. It was a little sweet, but it had like a, like a thickness to it that was unpleasant. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, and, <laughs> You're uh, grossing me out already, <laughs> and I don't even know what's in it. And, and it's like the bottle is entirely in like Mandarin, and so I, I don't know. I can't even read it. 
but it has like a little like a logo had like a little spare a little bird on it and so i took a drink i'm like that's not the worst thing but it, it's weird like what is it oh well, it's like well like it's a soda but they they put a uh, sparrow spit into it uh, what so it's for it's for health benefits yeah so wait sparrow spit yeah sparrow saliva is yeah like in it like the how bird. do they do that? They so yes, spar- like the bird. I <laughs> like the dolphin. No, like Captain Jack yeah. Sparrow. Uh, no, it's um, what they do is the, the sparrows. They make their nests. They kind of glue it together by spitting on it. So they literally get their nests and kind of like diffuse it in water and extract the, the saliva out of it. That's insane! Oh my gosh! Yeah, and I looked it up, and Premium it's a real thing. Premium bird's like it's nest a- drink sparrow spit. What yeah. the fuck is this? Isn't it ridiculous? Well, I, it's a different culture. I shouldn't say, but. It's Made in like, the USA, I kind of doubt that. No, it is now, but probably it wasn't originally. But That's crazy. Yeah, that's. I was like, well, thank you for that. Like, It didn't taste horrible, but after knowing what it was, I was like... like would you drink it again? I would not drink it again. It's just, <laughs> even if that's not, insane. Even if I could erase the memory of what it was from my mind, just the, the texture. Because imagine, like, not drinking straight saliva, but it's just like thicker than water. And anything thicker than water is just like... Mm, oh my gosh. Okay, change topic. Change topic. <laughs> is, the, oh your, is your pucker yeah. factor going up? Oh my gosh! Yes, and it's been it's been on the down low for a long time. Yeah, now. It's, it's it's peeking its little head out. It's like it's, yeah, it's I did time. not think bird spit would be what brought it back up. I mean, any kind of off. Oh, like I I remember there was an episode of MythBusters where they were doing something with saliva, and so they had to collect like a large amount of it. So they had their whole crew like spit in this container. Ew. And it was like the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Was there, I don't know what was wrong with it, but it was. Ugh. I think it was. Oh, it was the thing where like if you stick your tongue on like a metal pole, would it freeze? And so in order to simulate, they got like a cow's tongue and they slathered it in like human saliva from all these people. It was just like very uncomfortable to watch. Okay, spit is one thing, but like a mixture of many people's spit is like oh, is a no. nightmare. Yes. Uh, and oh, canceled. God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No I'm, more Mythbusters. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. Uh, it's funny because in the place I work at, uh, the, uh, the place, the lab that I work in, uh, we get two types of samples: blood samples and saliva samples. And we definitely get uh-huh. more blood and saliva. And when you're dealing with the blood, because we check for blood clots, you're interacting with it a lot more physically, and so you're uh-huh. more likely to get blood on your gloves and stuff. Which like, which seems really gross, but you just kind of get used to it. Right. When we do with saliva, we don't really like have to handle it. But whenever a little bit gets on my glove, it's just instant. I need to get oh, this glove off. Yeah. Like, it's the most disgusting know. thing. There's definitely a difference between blood and saliva. Yeah, I mean, definitely blood is more quote unquote dangerous for bloodborne pathogens. But for some reason, there's something just like viscerally I'm sure, uncomfortable but, uh, about saliva. That's- it's, oh my oh. gosh, this is a lot grosser than it should be. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Even though saliva is like 98% water, like that 2%, it makes a big is difference. Is it really? That yeah, 2% is huge. The 2% is, yeah, it's like this protein and, and uh, you know, white blood cells and things like that. Oh, it's grossing me out to think I have some in my mouth right now. Like... Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, I, I don't... Oh, never mind. I was going to... No, we're going to... Let's move on. Let's <laughs> no. keep going. Yep, canceled. Yep. Hard stop. Canceled. <laughs> Abort. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. I mentioned last time... PCR. PCR. Um, oh, my gosh. I got it right. Yeah, you did. What you, what, oh, yeah. sweet. 
You didn't write I it down. Remembered it? <laughs> no, I didn't. I did edit the last episode just a couple days ago. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so PCR, which stands for polymerase chain reaction, is this very, like, awesome, fascinating, and honestly revolutionary thing concept whatever that we invented it's super cool uh-huh so what it is it's that it's a way to express dna outside of like a living organism um which is extremely important let me give you so let me just like the how dna replicates which i should it should be its own episode so i'm just going to briefly go over it uh, your <laughs> keep cells, coming up with new topics <laughs> yeah i'm just going to yeah. keep going through like the cell biology textbook and see how it goes when your cells have to replicate they have to replicate everything, which is like really crazy to think about. Like, imagine if you're right. If you're in order for us to reproduce, you'd have to make not only a copy of yourself, but like a copy of yourself that's exact same size as you. Yeah, down to the minute detail. Yeah, like, and yeah, this is like your size, which is crazy. Like when you have a when humans have a baby or any creature has a baby, usually it's way smaller than them. But sometimes I don't know. Have you seen my baby? Uh, is your baby the size <laughs> of your wife? That's concerning. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, takes after his daddy. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what are you saying about me? Well, I'm not, <laughs> well, I haven't met your wife, so maybe she's large. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I say large, I don't mean like overweight. I mean like tall. I shouldn't say large. Girthy. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite words. <laughs> That's uh, your favorite word? Oh, I love it because it makes people uncomfortable. It makes them very uncomfortable to say. Yeah. Just the word girth is like... Oh. Girthy. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Where was I? Okay, yeah. Reproduce so. <laughs> Uh, so they reproduce all their organelles and everything, and then they split into two. And the last thing that kind of replicates and splits is like their DNA. Uh, and it's so well hidden that even with the microscopes we have today, it's very hard to see DNA unless they are currently like splitting into two. Uh, okay. Because that's when like they're the most exposed. And uh, and it's, so it's really difficult to replicate this, especially since. The cell is already a contained environment. Like, that's what the cell wall, or sorry, the cell membrane does. But there's like the nucleus is an even, it's a second kind of barrier, and it has a completely different set of like acidity and and conditions than the rest of the cell to, you know, allow this reproduction to to occur. Uh huh. Um, And so the the temperature at which um, DNA kind of, because you have like the double strand of DNA kind of splits off is around i want to say like degrees oh really uh maybe it's a little bit cooler than that but at that temperature most uh enzymes break down and die Uh uh-huh so uh we for the longest time we weren't able to like replicate dna which doesn't seem like just something that's really important but it's very important for everything because dna is so small that if you take a sample of someone's dna and you extracted all the DNA that you got from that sample, like a blood, saliva, whatever you want to do, it is literally undetectable. It is like such a small amount, you we cannot measure it. Really? And so, yeah. That's so crazy. All DNA testing would be impossible without replicating the DNA. So what PCR does is that it utilizes some of those uh, like thermally resistant enzymes that we talked about last time from archaea uh-huh. and other bacteria. And it uses them to do like a basically mechanical process to replicate the DNA. Okay. So, and it goes as follows. <laughs> Here's <Ahem>. the stem. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you get let's say yeah let's say you get a, like a cheek swab from someone, and you get some. You're pretty sure you get their DNA in there. Not too sure. 
and then you want to test it. So in order for you to have enough to test, you need to replicate it like, oh, like to have a hundred thousand or a million times more than it actually has. Okay. So the DNA, there's a process to extract the DNA from like living tissue, which I won't get into. But basically, it involves like washing everything except the DNA down the drain. So we're pretty sure we have pure DNA in this bottle or this solution. Uh huh. So in this mixture, we add all the things that are needed to make more DNA. So we add all the nucleotides that the DNA is comprised of. We add all the primers and all the enzymes that are needed. It's uh-huh. like this soup. And we put it, what's generally called a thermocycler. And the thermocycler, it does what it literally says. It cycles through different temperatures. Uh-huh. And the different temperatures initiate different steps of replication. Okay. So the first step... Piecing it together. Yes. So the first step is to unwind the DNA and split the two halves without destroying it. Okay. Um, so DNA is held together by hydrogen bonds, which are pretty weak. Like, you can break them apart just with a little bit of heat. Right. Uh, but that means that if it cools down, they also reconnect really easily. Come back together, yeah. So you have to kind of maintain this temperature. So we put set the temperature, and then we... It's called uh, annealing. And then it splits off the DNA without breaking them. So you have these two different halves. Uh-huh. And the two halves aren't identical. Because when how nucleotides are made... They're matched up with the counterpart. So right. if you only copy one side, you're only getting half of it. So you have to copy both sides. And so within this soup, there are these things called primers. And primers are basically little things that connect to the end of a DNA strand that allows other pieces, other enzymes to connect to then, you know, cause the chain to reaction the that will strand. replicate. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like, imagine like a zipper. Like, right. Uh, and I'm so, following along on a diagram, so oh, oh, okay. it's helping look, a lot. I was going to yeah. say, you can look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's helping a lot. <laughs> and so as you go through this annealing process, or as you go through this replication process, you end up with the first step with like two copies of whatever DNA you had in the beginning. And right. then, so, so yeah, the temperature increases to split them apart, and then the temperature decreases so that the enzymes can do their job, and then they increase again to kind of split them apart again. And essentially, you're just redoubling every single time you go through this cycle of mm-hmm. DNA, which in eventually you get like millions or billions of molecules of this DNA, um, whereas you only have like a few to begin with. To begin with. Okay, so you're saying like crime scene, drop of blood. Yes. They replicate that DNA a billion times before they can like accurately read it. Yes, 100%. That's, that's um, interesting. I did not know that. They have to because it's so little. Like, you know, like imagine because your blood, it's not com- entirely made of DNA. In fact, the amount of DNA yeah. is so little. Because red blood cells don't even have DNA in them. And so you're looking for white blood cells and then the white blood cells that survived and, you know, so all these little details. Interesting. Okay. So we do that and then uh, basically it keeps going forever until either the solution, the soup you made, runs out of nucleotides or the enzymes start to break down. Because even though they're heat resistant, they're not heat immune and eventually they do kind of break down. And at that point you do have like millions of copies, right? Yeah, at that point if you successfully done it, uh, you should have lots of copies. And we can measure this even better because in some PCR experiments, if you're looking at quantity, uh, you can add like a fluorescent gene to the process. And that way you can shine a light in there and then you can tell, oh, we've succeeded because the fluorescence was 1% and now it's a ton, you know, a 50%, which means we've had, right. we've created more fluorescent totally, genes. Totally, yeah, that makes sense. So, so what what kind of time frame are we talking about? 
to uh, go from t- one to through all these cycles. Oh, it's like a few hours. It's like it's pretty quick. Okay. Um, and again, depending on your thermocycler and depending on your success rate, like it's actually really cool. But the coolest part is that like there's no living thing involved in here. Like nothing in this thing is alive. Like it's just that's the weird. DNA. That's really weird. The enzymes that are like. Um, they just function because they're the right temperature. They don't need like really. They don't need energy except like. Uh, so I'm gonna have to cough a little bit. I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. I, I got a cough drop. You, you good, man? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like it's like I'm I'm over being sick. It's just my body has this thing where it has to cough for like ten days. Right, right. I'm a. I'm surprised how little the microphone picked up. Did I mean, I went like to like a walk d- across the room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went to like a different room and I coughed uh-huh. into a towel. Yeah, and, and okay. I hate like when people just cough. Oh my gosh, that's obnoxious, and I probably do it all the time. I don't think you. I never. I think I've ever heard you cough. Really, I, I always turn my head and like try to lean away, but yeah. I remember like going to the testing center at university, and every time I took a test, it was like someone sniffling and coughing the entire damn time. Go die somewhere else. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> Go die somewhere else. It's pretty funny. And I think, like, I haven't been coughing that much, but I think talking a lot uh, exacerbates Oh, yeah, it. that that, that <laughs> doesn't help. Uh, but, yeah, so it's, like, this very ingenious process. It's just, I don't know. It, it just seems like you, like, oh, yeah, it's easy. Like, you can design, like, bacteria, and they can replicate because we do that with, like, insulin. They can make their own thing. But this is literally, like, a factory. Manufacturing things, it's just doing these little jobs these enzymes do. And I think that's just like amazing that we figured out a way to do this. That's really crazy to think about. It it that's bizarre to me. Like it makes sense, but when you say nothing is living here, that's that's yeah. so weird. That's really bizarre. <laughs> Again, like it's it comes to when you learn like the the in depth uh, properties of of chemistry because DNA they are molecules, but they are like getting close to like at almost atoms sometimes. Like they're very very right. tiny. Tiny, yeah. So they act more like machines. And I mean, and they are basically like how this thing is a, it's a, we call it a biochemical machine. Like it's just, it's made of living stuff. It's made of proteins and sugars and, and DNA, but the process is purely mechanical. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's bizarre. The, and the only thing you need to do to make this machine run is to change the temperature. Change you know? the temperature. Yeah. Yeah. It'll do its thing if you just like make it warmer or colder. It's just, <laughs> just, Tweak it to its liking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even with like a, a like an, and I find like cars fascinating because it's like a self-sustaining machine. You said to give it gasoline, but imagine if the car would run based on how cold or hot the, the temperature was outside, not on a fuel you injected in there. Sometimes my car chooses to run the way it wants to in the cold. But. <laughs> in the cold, <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah, uh, technically yeah. your car is way more efficient in the cold. Just so you know. Uh, not not my battery. Well, if it's, yeah, your battery. <laughs> the car in else. general, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we've been doing, we've been using this for like forensics for a long time, and like in the, the the lab I work in, we don't deal with PCR in our lab, but we have like there's a lab down the hallway that does PCR, and PCR is so powerful. Our lab is considered uh, quote unquote clean lab, which means it has no PCR in it. Uh-huh. Because if PCR elements were to sneak their way into our lab, they would start doing their job so efficiently that we'd have like a bunch of random DNA replication we didn't mean to have happen. Oh, okay. That sounds contaminant. Yeah, that's why it's clean lab, even though like it's, and theirs is called dirty lab, even though it's not dirty. Uh, but <laughs> it's if like. Filthy. It's just disgusting. 
if we walked in there, we had to change out like our lab coats and everything because uh, even like the tiniest bit of PCR could cause thousands more of this gene to be created and make like a false positive or false negative, depending on what we're looking for. Do you have to go through a decontamination chamber? Uh, the thing is that we don't really go through the lab, so we just separate. So we don't really oh, have okay. to because yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the ideal thing is we don't have to even look at them. So just yeah. filthy, filthy, dirty lab people. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> is is there a big like bias? A big like total segregation? You guys are warring with each other? No, no. The fact <laughs> that since we other. have like almost no contact with them, like we can't even develop a good rivalry because we don't uh, even know yeah. who they are. You know? <laughs> we can't we even see- develop the rivalry. It's hilarious. It's like we we don't even see them in the break room. So how could we even hate them? But <laughs> <laughs> just merely knowing that they exist should be yeah. enough. And the big thing to take from this is that because of these proteins and enzymes, um, it's kind of enabled us to do things with DNA that we haven't been able to do before. Uh Uh, Like, for example, when we're trying to uh, diagnose someone with, a, let's say, a disease, that's a genetic disease. uh, Before, we would have to look for all these signs and symptoms. But now we can just take a DNA test and, again, replicate their DNA a million times. And then we can see how many copies of this gene are, are in their DNA. And therefore, we can determine, like, okay, is this person high or low risk for cancer or diabetes oh, or that's, whatever? That's interesting. I had yeah. no idea that was how that's measured. Oh, yeah. Every time we take a DNA test, it has to be done that way. Totally. Um, there's Totally what? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, just, like, replicated. And that that's interesting to see that that's how that kind of prediction works. Yeah, I mean, and there's also... Yeah, there's also different ways of undoing PCR, and this is all like experimental. But in because in theory the DNA should replicate perfectly, but in your body, it there is an error rate. Like you do randomly get an error. Oh really? And yeah, this is like it's like one in a hundred billion uh, chance oh. of error. Wow! Which, if only that was my error rate. But I mean, or maybe here. Let me okay. Let me look it up just to be sure. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which, seems like, uh, which seems like a really good, okay, it seems like a really good measurement. I think it's like, it's anywhere, but uh, again, it's all nuanced. It depends on like the, the, all the sorts cell of and all sorts of yeah. things. Uh, but um, it, uh, and that's because there's a lot of like checking factors, but because there's so many units of DNA, that's actually like a fairly high number of errors because you're making like quadrillions of these things you know every day yeah i guess when you put it in the bigger scope of things it makes sense yeah i mean and again most of these errors are like they're they don't really affect anything or they only affect one cell and when it dies the error is gone but sometimes it causes cancer so right we've been trying to develop a process to mimic this in the human body and see if we can determine what are the chances that this gene mutates based on how the body replicates the cells okay uh, and therefore, I'm like, hey, like this this gene for some reason is highly susceptible to mutation because we ran this you know PCR process x amount of times, and in twenty percent of the time, it was replicated incorrectly with this mutation that causes cancer or causes you right. know Alzheimer's or whatever, right? Um, which is like, and then now we can tell like, hey, even though you don't have the mutation in you right now to cause this, you are. You have like basically a twenty percent chance or fifty or whatever percent chance likely in lifetime to develop it. Yeah, to develop it. Again, that's crazy these, that that's how that's measured. 
Yeah, I mean, and these are kind of newer, so we're always like tweaking the formula, uh, and it doesn't help that a lot of the study we that is being done is mostly done in the United States and Europe, and so there's a huge bias towards like Caucasian people, and mm-hmm. so maybe you know black people or Hispanic people or Asian people they can, and depending on what part of Asia, could have a higher lower resistance or uh, vulnerability to this based on right. that data. Needs more experimenting. Oh, for sure. Which is why, we'll you're, have you done like a Ancestry or 23andMe kind of like... I haven't. Uh, it's really fun. It's actually, it's yeah. not cheap, but it's not expensive either. Right. Because um, I did one and every few months they'll send me like, oh, like we've updated, we've kind of, you know, mixed the numbers a little bit differently and your results have slightly changed. Oh, and it's really? Normally, yeah, it's not normally like super drastic, but maybe like, <laughs> like you thought you were 4% Portuguese, like, but now you're like You're telling me you fucked up? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Huh, uh, which is hard because, yeah, they're just measuring very specific tiny genes that may or may not be correct. So, Mine would probably just come back like a picture of a bratwurst or something. What? Why well, would it do a picture of a hundred percent German baby? Oh, is that? I mean, uh, some people I, I, are I surprised. There, there, there's quite a mix in my family, but yeah. I'd I mean, you you gotta have some sort making of making like a dumb joke. Northern European, Norwegian. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of Irish and Scottish in my family too. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I guess Germans. Well. I say that, but uh, one of the most famous German kings was, or emperors was, uh, Frederick Barbosa, and he Barbarossa means red hair, so he had like this flaming red beard oh. and, and hair. Yeah, my hair's not that red anymore. Oh, has it changed? Like over the last like maybe five years, maybe it's stress from being married because that was <laughs> right around the time I met my wife. I feel wow, like my, my hair has dulled. That's yeah. interesting. It's way more brown. It's just a light brown now. It's not oh. red anymore. Yeah, it, it wasn't like flaming red. It wasn't like Fox's no, hair. But I, it was uh, definitely ginger. And it is I no mean, more. And you had like the freckliness, so that kind of yeah. didn't help. Maybe I gained a soul. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe that. you finally redeemed <laughs> yourself. When you became a father, yeah. you're like, well, you need one, so there you go. Yeah. You stole oh, your yeah. child's soul. Yeah, that's yeah, it's like a vampire, soul vampire. Does your does your kid have reddish hair? No, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't have much hair to begin with right now, does he? Oh, dude, he was born with more hair than I have. That's sad. like he it's just like full head of hair. <laughs> yeah, that, that's sad for you. Yeah. That's oh yeah. Funny. No. Uh, no. Yeah, we got full heads. Full heads. Yeah, but anyways. Um, I don't remember where we were. Yeah, DNA, PCR, polymerase. Yeah. Um, and so PCR has kind of opened up the whole concept of we can, because we've done it before, like for decades, like, yeah, hey, we can use bacteria like little factories. And now we can uh-huh. be like, well, if we can simplify the process even more, we can not even use cells. We can just use like the tools and make the thing we want to make. We don't even need the, the bacteria anymore or the cells. Okay. That hasn't quite been done yet, but uh, there have been experiments where we created like extra DNA. Like, so DNA has four base nucleotides. Uh huh. And we, and I say we, like some scientists, <laughs> they made like we the group of elites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we the royal uh-huh. we. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, not you, Morgan. We. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, I know my place. Right, right. 
they made like two extra nucleotides like just out of nowhere and they were like making dna out of it and it, it kind of worked like it was actually doing its really job. yeah which How is do crazy you make two extra nucleotides well basically they just made because nucleotides have like a similar um kind of structure to them and so if you can just like tweak them you can just kind of add a just as long as you get two things that click in with each other through a hydrogen bond and also click in with their siblings quote unquote next to them on the dna strand they can be incorporated uh, we huh. haven't like created a creature with this thing. Like, like, no, I know yeah. it's yeah okay. Um, but like in theory, if you could like do things like that, you can then replicate like let's say like medicine, you know, or proteins that could be used as medicine, or um, chemical reactions that break down plastic or things like that. So you can make genes that aren't possible. Seems with like our, it would be useful. It yeah. would be very useful, no, for sure. And again, this is like we're in the infant stages. We've barely started doing this, so we'll see what happens in the future. Right. But it definitely opened up the door to be like, hey, like we can use this thing if like if PCR changed like forensics and DNA testing everything forever. Imagine if we had like ten of these tools, we would change everything basically. Right. We'll see what calamity befalls us as we play God. That's right. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of, there's there's definitely been like, uh, oh, my cat's playing with a toy. Nina. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, stop it. Did you say Nina or it's Lena? Lena, L-E-N-A. Every now and then my dog snores behind me and I throw something at him. <laughs> so he doesn't get picked up in the microphone. Yeah, I got her this toy that squeaks. or It has like an electronic speaker and she's been loving it. But now she just wants to attack it. Is it, is it true that animals are obsessed with toys that squeak because it mimics the cries of something oh, yeah. that they've uh, caught? 100%. I mean, I, I know That's if you're just my cat morbid. Loves it. Like, <laughs> they're, they're hunters. Look at their teeth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. I don't know a lot about cats, but... Uh, well, cats are like way... They're obligate carnivores. They need way more meat than Yeah, they than have dogs. to. They have yeah. to, yeah. My dog goes to town on things that squeak, though. Yeah, there's definitely that. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, oh, yeah. So, like, again, I, one of the very first topics we talked about is like... Um, like in trying to invent like lab-grown meat or lab-grown food, because even though plants are very efficient, animals are not. But we can make it more efficient. Instead of needing the entire tree to make an apple, why don't just make an apple with the stick in a lab? You know, like right. We don't, need, we don't need the whole damn tree. Plant an apple pill. Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, or just like making carbohydrates or starches or even like plastics, uh, polymers, wood. You know, we've never been able to artificially make wood before. Huh. Even though wood is like a very simple I was going to say, it's not that complex, is it? It's not that complex, but it's just like making it in a more energy efficient way than a tree does is really difficult. It's not, yeah. Um, not un- unless we can utilize some of these, like if we can make it, like an enzyme, like we don't need any to put energy in it, just heat, and it'll just build itself. Then, boom, we got free wood, baby. Free wood, <laughs> free wood, baby. Which sounds like a, an innuendo of some sort, but <laughs> I know, that's why uh, I'm such a child. Just no, laughing at that. We're all children. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's. I, I remember learning about PCR, and one of the funniest stories about this is. So in Europe, and I can't tell you what years, probably like between the early 2000s, probably, um, there were like a series of violent crimes happening. And there was always like some evidence left behind. 
And when they tested the DNA, they always got back like these the same DNA profile of a woman. Okay. And they were baffled. Sometimes these crimes would be like a few months apart, but it was like a murder here, a, like a robbery there, like something huh. crazy. Uh-huh. And they were like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and then eventually there was like a suicide that they found the DNA on. They're like, what the hell? Like, what's going Like, what's like, they had no idea what was happening. Okay. Uh, and then eventually they figured out that the DNA matched a woman who worked at a cotton swab factory. And it was her DNA on the cotton swabs that they were replicating rather than DNA from the crime scenes. Uh, and so, oh, so these okay. crimes weren't related at all. They were just like getting the same person's like. We had the biggest mass murderer on our hands. That's right. It wasn't even real. Exactly. So it was just like this funny little thing. Yeah, so no that's how real connection it is. whatsoever. That's like crazy. A, like a single skin cell flake from a cotton swab could actually Can just be contaminate it and replicate it and replicate it. Yeah, like a hundred million times, and then boom, you got a lot of DNA. So. So what you're saying, uh huh. If you want to commit murder, that's right. Mix all sorts of DNA all over the place. No, hundred percent. That's kind of what you had to do. Like, there's been a lot of crimes where like blood has been mixed together, and they're like, well, pff, damn it. <laughs> really, just like two two little samples of blood mixed. Well, is you enough can, to screw it. So you can you can separate them. Like you can test both of them, replicate both of them. They'll you know. Replicate side by side. And of course you Replicate can match them. different ways, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but if it's like two unknown people, you're like, well, we don't know who either of them is. One of them could have been the murderer and someone could have been the accomplice. Who knows? Uh, but you can tell like, if there's been contamination uh, because, again, the strands don't align together, they won't mix. Uh-huh. So on a, like an occasion to lab I work in, every once in a while we'll get a notification. It's like, hey, just so you know, there was a contamination in this one sample because we tested it and there's two sets of, or three sets of DNA in there when, of course, there should be one. So right. we need to re- redo it because obviously there was a problem. Um, huh. But but because of that contamination, it could like delay the testing. So if it's like two blood samples are mixed together, you're like, Ugh, we got to work extra hard to parse these out. I feel like it'd be pretty hard to contaminate every last drop though yeah exactly not a viable way to get away with murder no but usually if they like collect blood from a scene they won't like collect blood from every single little droplet they'll like collect it from an area so right it's still possible to make sense especially when you think about when forensics are testing for dna they don't like get the entire genome of the human being they they look for these very specific markers in like 10 or 15 different areas that way you can identify them based on those markers. You're not like, oh, uh-huh. yeah, like I have this. I can clone him right now. Like, you know, you. Right. Yes. <laughs> we can make a little, uh, you know, a little, a mini a little murderer right here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so you're. you're <laughs> like a raisin to adulthood. And it's like, this is what the, the yeah. perpetrator looks like. Now do the crime. Uh, <laughs> now do it. Like it's it's been to. 20 years, but we will find him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, if you're if you're looking for like those ten or fifteen markers, if you have you don't know that you have two different kinds of DNA in there, you could have like seven or eight of these markers match, but four of them came from one person and four of them came from the other, and you're like miss, uh, kind of identifying that the eight markers were found, you know that kind of thing. Right. So you got to be careful with that. That makes sense. Sounds really easy to mess things up. It is, and this is why 
there's been a huge movement as of late in the forensic community. I'm not a part of it, but I love true crime and stuff like that, so I kind of am aware of it. Uh-huh. That DNA testing isn't the silver bullet that solves everything. Uh-huh. Because often they say, like, oh, yeah, his DNA was found on the scene. We know he was there. And, like, and since he was there, he totally killed her. Uh, and that's, like, not a good way of using DNA. Because DNA is like, yeah, this person's DNA was there. Yeah, because if it's like, yeah, his blood was all over the place, yeah, he was probably bleeding out there. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. they find like a hair and they're like, uh-huh. well, of course his hair was there. Like he was her husband, you know, like she, he, that makes sense. He, he lived there. Three yeah, or he ago. lived there. Yeah. You know, or he visited there, you know. And so these things can be so sensitive that they can pick up like on minute amounts of DNA. It doesn't mean that they're guilty. And a lot uh-huh. of times in juries and in like, uh, court cases just saying the word DNA evidence means like oh guaranteed they're guilty right they have DNA evidence you know there's this stigma around it that it's the end all exactly yeah which again uh-huh. is a very powerful tool but it doesn't the DNA you can't read the DNA and be like this DNA says he fucking killed her like <laughs> right <laughs> it yeah. says yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that's what it <laughs> replicates to spell out yeah exactly <laughs> you did it <laughs> I did this <laughs> yeah they just like Assassin's Creed animus to DNA and relive the murder <laughs> through his memories. Dude, that'd be dope if, well, maybe it wouldn't be dope, but never mind. Forget I said that. Yeah, it's funny I was because be, like, say you know, it'd be cool to <laughs> travel through time through DNA. Yeah, sure. To, <laughs> to relive the crimes. Eh, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, DNA uh, is not that, like, it's not being written as we're living life. Like, that's kind of yeah. wild to think about. Yeah, it's pretty funny. There is such a thing as DNA memory, though. It's basically how instincts are formed in animals and in humans, too. Uh, like, for example, you have, like, a bird, and this bird knows where to go to, like, migrate. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's like, yeah, this bird is just following its friends, right? Like, it's just following where it needs to go. But there have been instances where an entire generation of birds weren't able to migrate, and they were still able to reach their destination despite none of them having ever been there before. Huh. And okay. that's... Be- and that's because, like, the quote-unquote mem- memory. Yeah, the memory of how they need to. It's not like they're, like, seeing it in their eye from their ancestors' memory. <laughs> they're reliving the avatar state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not yeah. doing that. Uh-huh. But, like, there's a proclivity to be like, oh, like, they they have a, like, a bias to head north. Um, or they have a bias to, like, follow this river or this water or the temperature changes so they can... They prefer warmer temperatures to go here. And so all these little factors kind of lead them to the same location, even though they have never been there before. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the same way how, like, how do babies know how to suckle? Uh-huh. Like, how? Like, no one taught them to suckle, but they do it because the brain has developed in such a way to, like, to, to suckle. You know, they just uh-huh. designed that way. Suckle. Uh, That's a fun suckle. word. Yeah. Suckle. Or honeysuckle is a good one, too. I like that yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, or like you know, there's like babies can actually hold their breath when they're put underwater, which boggles my mind. That's pretty nuts to me. Because I like guess toddlers, that makes sense. Toddlers don't. In case you don't know that, <laughs> wait, <laughs> you unlearn that ability. Well, I think it's. I think it happens when like a baby stops being like a machine and it starts actually having conscious thought. That okay, that overrides makes sense. its instinct to like I want to breathe. Therefore, they're sucking all this water into my lungs. <laughs> like you idiot. Like you know so. Yeah, where babies, they're for some reason on autopilot, so they'll just hold their breath underwater. I always wondered how they made the Nirvana Nevermind album cover. I think that baby sued them. Yeah, I think recently, but I think he lost. Yeah, because of course, like... 
his parents I, signed a form or whatever. I, yeah, I also think he like saw it as an opportunity, but then he also oh, yeah. made he made mention of possibly doing an anniversary of doing the same thing because he's like still naked. See, September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. It was released. So yeah, yeah. Back in September of twenty twenty one, I think that was right around when it kind of went big. And he was like, "I want to do a a remake of it." But also, and, yeah, sue you for yeah, using yeah. That it was pretty like funny. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty funny. Like I used to like really judge people for stuff like that. But if if I had that opportunity, I would sue the fuck. Oh out of yeah, anyone. Dude. Make the money, baby. Because even if you like ask for ten million dollars and they settle for like six hundred grand, I'm like, that's six hundred grand. I know, like that's well, money. Your attorneys take half, and then taxes okay, take then that's, half of the half. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. that's hundred and sixty thousand dollars. It's like half a house sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. I don't care. Yeah, so I'll be like, I don't judge anyone at, at all. No, um, for stuff like that. I'm like, hey man, if that was me, if I had like a decent case, I'd be right on that. That's, That's pretty funny. Yeah. Unless you're suing like a poor old woman, like go for it. <laughs> nah, man, they're evil. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy to me that you can you can sue anybody for literally anything. Yeah, they have to appear like, in court, and of course, yeah. there's a judge there to be like, okay, this is stupid. But yeah, it's you just, can. it's expensive as crap. But if you have like disposable income, you could carry out a lawsuit for. Decades for yeah for just ridiculous for, things yeah nothing and it's so funny how sometimes like it's very inconsistent like sometimes there'll be a minor thing and someone's like oh this is ridiculous we'll throw it out and sometimes it goes on for years because someone took it seriously you know like, it's right. super weird how that works yeah or it gets thrown out and five hundred appeals are filed and then finally somebody else picks it up and it's like man it it literally can be never ending. Yeah, it can actually be never ending, or it's like on a technicality, it's it's thrown out, and like, oh, that sucks. Dude. Like, this is like, oh, you mean you mean on a Bill Cosby? Oh yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> yeah. like the worst, one of yeah. the worst examples of that. Yeah, it's horrendous. It was like it was like what a verbal promise to made to him, like by the previous DA years before the investigation. That was like the reason why it was thrown out. Yeah, something crazy, something nutty dumb. like that. Yeah. Which is like, but hey, it's, he's innocent now, right? He's, right. <laughs> no, he is, uh, what is it? I saw he had to cancel his tour. You can also say no contest by saying you don't admit it, you did it, but you're saying like, rather than going through this whole like hoopla, I'm just going to accept a lesser punishment and let's just get That's it. That's what I've said to every speeding ticket ever. No contest. I will not say I did it, but I'm not going to put up with the bullshit of me fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the I win, win. Uh, yeah, I win. win. Everyone and then wins. I pay two hundred bucks. But uh, if you really want to go against a parking ticket, a lot of times they do get thrown out because officers don't tend to show up. Don't to show up to court. Yeah, but if they do, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like shit. Yeah. It's a gamble. Yeah, you're like then well, you're either. made a fool of. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta you gotta figure Pretty out funny. when his birthday is and put it on his birth- the court date. <laughs> That's the research you need to do. That's pretty funny. No man, I bet I bet officers have fun on their birthdays. <laughs> Let's go screw some people in court. They're gonna think I'm not showing up. Party hat and like glasses. They don't know like, that I'm a lone middle aged man. Yeah. Nobody I cares have, about me on my birthday. I'm gonna go fuck shit up. <laughs> make sure this guy gets know. twice the fine. <laughs> Hooray. Huh. Let's plant some drugs in his car in the parking lot. And pull out the dogs. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's really dark. <laughs> gonna have a real good birthday. Uh, anyways,
meat. It's just so good to me. Oh, it's so succulent.